Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good morning. Your humble hosts for another Saturday of uh, home brewing tips and all that good stuff. The uh, We've got home brewing competitions on the way. We've got home brewing competitions that uh, we've already got some winners and uh, exciting stuff for the Taste of Buffalo, which uh, that kind of crept up on us pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But that came in, the winners are in. Yeah. There wasn't a the big, like, you know, like three week delay between entry deadline uh, and the competition, and they got the results out there the same day. So as soon as they were announcing winners, they were popping them up online, which is really nice. And if you're not there, if you're not stewarding, if you're not helping out with the competition, it's a great way for you to keep track at home of what's going on. Are we allowed to announce the winners? Yeah, we're allowed to announce Good. the winners. They put it up. So. Well, congratulations. Uh, third place, Tim Belzac yep. with a Belgian IPA. Rick Felzer with a Blonde Ale in second. And Adam Akers wins it with a Keller beer, which we have not spent too much time talking about Keller beers. Which we will today, though. It's a very interesting style. I think it's very appropriate not only for the event, so a summer event where there's going to be a lot of food and possibly some, hopefully, some hot sun, but also for a brewery to have on a quick turnaround. Um, which I think is another great thing. So now one thing is that they said in this competition is that the first place winner, and this is what I haven't seen yet, the first place winner isn't necessarily the beer that they're going to brew for the competition. He he won the competition, rather. They are going to pick out of the best of show the beer that they want to brew for the event. Which could easily be the second place Blondale if it's a summer event. You got it. You got it. Tim was this Belgian IPA, a little bit more of a long shot, though the IPAs are very popular yep. right now. So if you you know, have a nice sessionable one, that could be a good choice as okay. well. But I would put my bet on the Keller beer. Um, I kind of looked again this morning to see if they had announced anything else as far as which was going to be the competition beer, and I couldn't find anything definitive. But that's the winner so far okay so congratulations adams he's been brewing for a long while so it's you know kind of fitting and you see this a lot in competitions um where you know experienced brewers are putting themselves in the winner's circles over and over again so we'll get to keller beers uh in the second half of the show but in the meantime uh other things we want to just touch on this week we talked about baltic porters last week but you've got like a laundry list of just quick quick things you want to run through this um, week uh, no, these are just my ideas. So I always Going have forward. some backup plans okay. of, of topics, of conversations, of stuff that's in my head. So people kind of bring up questions to me. Um, and, and getting onto the Keller beer was actually kind of three things pointing me to the Keller beer. So yep. you have the, the competition, you have the time of year. It's a good time of year to brew the Keller beer. As well as one of our friends was looking for a beer to quickly ferment single vessel fermentation move right into a keg and drink or possibly bottle and hold on to for summer and so he wanted to do single stage fermentation he wanted it to be a reasonably quick fermentation and he wanted to have the option to either bottle or keg it something that would benefit or mature with aging um and that kind of pointed me towards the color beer and so it was kind of on my list of things to talk about and then you get three points kind of pointing you that way. But we do have a lot of other stuff to get to. Okay. So we got the 12th annual Art of Beer coming yep. up. March 9th. Yep, a little over a month away. 20-plus vendors, 75 menu items, and $35 pre-sale tickets. Um, this is a, a, a festival that's a little different from all the others. We keep saying that, that it's not exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, one, it's beer and food. It, it's all you can eat. 
that's a little bit of a difference. I think that's brave. And, I mean, there's a couple other events, you know, like we just had the one at the Keenan Center in Lockport a couple of weeks ago, where this really truly benefits a nonprofit. So whenever you have a beer tasting that's being uh, done by some venue that's out for profit, whether it's a distributor, um, you know, local, like a venue, you know, radio station or something like that, there is a profit to be made off that. The people who are there attending and um, kind of working all the different booths are being paid. So that's overhead. Now, when you have something like the Keenan Center or like the Art of Beer, it's a complete nonprofit event. So we're trying to take your ticket sale money and turn that directly into a new roof, into after-school programs for kids and stuff like that. So you tend to, a little bit more of your money is going to a charity, but also that means that there's a lot less overhead for the event. And people are doing things because they want to do them, not because they're being paid. And I think you tend to get a little bit more because of that at these events. So yeah to dig on am i trying to dig on other events no do i go to them yes do i enjoy myself yes these ones are a little bit more uh a little bit more of we'll say of a in-house crowd feel because a lot of the people who are serving you the beer that are doing these you know art projects or, or performing music at an event like this are actually patrons of that so like one of the two of the bands performing um are performing for free they also rent space at the NAC, and they'll be performing the Night Art of Beer. All right. So, so it's kind of stuff like that. March 9th, uh, tickets online, pre-sale $35. That's the Art of Beer, and it's NACC.org. Is that right? You got okay. it. So that's for the 12th annual Art of Beer. Uh, plan accordingly. The uh, The big daddy of the, of the brewing competitions is uh, approaching. You know, the Taste of Buffalo one came and went so quickly that, yeah. you know, we want, of course, we're going to probably talk a lot about this in the next coming month or two. The deadline for the Amber Waves of Grain, the AWOG homebrew competition, is March 31st. Which so, is only 56 days away. Okay. So it's still a lot of styles you can brew, but if you're saying your normal process is about 30 days to get a beer start to finish, you're starting to hit some time. So it if might, you only brew once on a weekend, yeah. that means you probably have three weekends left to get beers ready to you, you, enter into the competition. Depending on what you want to make, it might be a good – you might be right at the edge of make a beer that you think you want to enter, evaluate it, and then make a second version of it. You know, yeah. and, and you could keep both, but tweak it a little bit. And, yeah, you're only sending in two bottles. Right, right. So an opportunity to fine-tune a recipe uh, with – 56 days out and the competition is april 13th and 14th deadline march 31st anything is does the competition ever change year to year at all are new styles allowed in are it, some it, styles it changed, it's out? with the bjcp guidelines so they always go by the most current bjcp guidelines so like last year you saw the addition of like american wild ale and uh, kentucky common as well as like a breakup in the styles of ipas um and, and some of the you know like more traditional styles got broken apart as well but otherwise bjcp competitions like this hosted by a club that aren't for an event or anything like that will cover every single style out there um, so whatever the beer that you have sitting around, whatever your expertise is. So maybe your expertise, if you're like talking about the taste of buffalo, isn't lighter beers. Say you, you bottle all your beers, you do small batch sizes, you do all grain, and you're doing all Belgian quads, barley wines, and triples. There's no place for you in this competition. Mm -hmm. But in something like the Amber Waves of Grain homebrew competition, you're going to have a place for that. You're going to be up against other beers of your style. I can't really think of many times um, – it really at all where there was like a single beer per style 
So even like somebody like me who enters kind of some of the more historic and, you know, obscure beers, I still had competition. I was still going, when I enter Grodiski, I was still going against other Grodiski. So it's not like they're taking my beer and say, okay, we're going to compare this to, you know, a Lambic and a Goza and we're going to throw half of Eisen in there because what, why not? It's close enough. It won't conflict. No, this is all single styles usually you might see some you know lumped together for as far as like you know the actual awards categories goes but as far as judging and your flights you're going to be with beers of all your same style you're going to get a lot of feedback back because they always have a lot of judges coming in trying to get their points because that's what helps advance them in the bjcp is by actually judging beers and so you're going to get a lot of judges you're going to get a lot of feedback and you get a lot of good information yeah you always recommend just no matter what enter enter because it's that information that you're really after um it's not the prizes it's you know with there are some nice things with like you know the taste of buffalo brewing you know the winning beer and stuff like that but in the long run entering a competition is the best thing you can do to make your beers slowly get better um because every time you get one of those score sheets back even if you thought it was a perfect beer they're going to tell you maybe not what's wrong but what can get better and they can start pushing you in that direction So if you're a home brewer and you feel like you've plateaued, enter competitions if you're not already. Hop rhizomes. Yes, start thinking about it now. We don't have them in yet. We're starting to get some information on what's going to be available, but people are starting to think about it. Uh, It's going to hit you before you think. I would say about another four to six weeks, and we could potentially see rhizomes uh, for sale. Uh, I notice a lot of places already are selling them online, and I always tell people, although you can plant them in June and they'll still survive, I've done it plenty of times, if you plant them in March, they're going to do much better. They're an early bloomer. Start thinking about it now. Start thinking about, you know, where you have that you can trellis them, um, you know, what varieties you're going to use most, uh, and, you know, it, they're they're a wonderful plant to grow. They're beautiful ornamental. You get a lot of, you know, flowers out of them by the end of the year. It's like growing mint or parsley. It's like you don't have to use everything you grow. You get an abundance of it. And at some of the more expensive hops, pushing $4 an ounce uh, can be a real money saver too. Yeah. If you're trying to do one big IPA, I mean, that can save you 25 bucks in one go. Yeah. And before we get to uh, the Keller Beer, Community Beer Works, what's going on with them? They're making... They are making a, we'll say a rendition, because they did admit that they tweaked the original recipe a little bit to make it a little hoppier, a little bit maltier. Um, but they will be making Iroquois beer again. They've been working with the family of the original owners, as well as some enthusiasts who uh, have kind of had like a, we'll say, a club of Iroquois and Simon Pure memorabilia, recipes, et cetera, et cetera. And they are going to be making a kind of, we'll say, historic buffalo beer yet again. So you will see that beer hitting your shelf. They haven't said exactly when yet, but it should be coming out soon. And the history of this beer is just that it's original buffalo brewing company was well ahead of its time not only with uh with its advertising campaign uh and really was knocked out by kind of you know macro breweries i can't remember if in the long run i don't think it was bought out um but eventually it did close its doors in buffalo but yeah. a lot of people are still around who used to drink iroquois beer and i'm sure are very excited for its return all right very good so that something to keep an eye out for uh, community beer works for that all right when we get back let's talk about keller beers which uh first place in the taste of buffalo and maybe you've never made a keller beer maybe you can't exactly place what it is the history the style everything you need to know about a keller beer and brewing one up next on niagara traditions just brew it 
Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It, and we're going to talk Keller Beer, which took first place at the Taste of Buffalo Brewing Competition. Uh, Adam Akers. It was called Freaker by the Speaker, a Keller Beer. And I, I love the names here. It is often, if, if you've ever attended a home brew competition, if they, they do a banquet or an award ceremony afterwards, which they do for Art of Beer, or I'm sorry, for Amber Ways of Grain, and I always try to attend if I can, um, more and more beers are actually getting named um, in the competitions, which is great. Because when everybody's standing up and applauding and they announce, like, you know what I mean, you know, English bitter number two. It's not that exciting mm-hmm. as, say, Freaker by the Speaker, and all of a sudden one guy in the back jumps up and yells because that was his beer. Um, so name your beers. Um, try to keep it generally non-offensive because they will want to say these names out loud. And right. if you give it an offensive name, they're just not going to include it. However, if you give it a good name, um, they will put it out there. There's not a lot of high expectation for the beer naming. You know what I mean? If you hit a home run, you know, everybody's going to really love it. If it's kind of corny, if it's kind of obscure, it still is better than, say, Keller Beer Number 2. Right. So name it. Um, I'm guilty of this, I can tell you. Yeah. And maybe don't don't think too hard. Just name it whatever you want. Yeah. Call it something. Yeah. You know? Um, all right, so brewing a Keller beer, the style, where it comes from, the history. Yeah. And, and, and so there's a little, a lot of people, I would say, if any home brewer you say Keller beer, they think of, oh, I didn't age this Pilsner and I started serving it. This is my Keller beer. And yes, I guess that can be a Keller beer, but it has a little bit more rich history than that. And it's a very old Bavarian style that kind of goes back to the kind of roots of lagering, really, and kind of storage. Um comes from uh, Francione Beer area, and it kind of translates into cellar beer, kind of aged beer. So what they would traditionally do is they would make a beer. Um, they're using kind of, we're, we're talking about, you know, old school brewing here, so no actual lager yeast. You're aging in oak barrels, not in casks. There's no pasteurizing. There's no filtering, and your malts are probably not fully modified if much at all. So um, you would end up with this about 5% cloudy kind of still fruity beer. And what would they do is they would put it in case in the winter because you'd get kind of ambient ground temperatures, about 38 degrees, and they would shove it in these casts. And they wouldn't actually do anything to trap the CO2 in. There's a little bit of a dispute whether they left them open so that air could get in or they left them with some type of expanding tile valve, so like an airlock, so that there was no holding pressure, but air could not get in. So the beer would be kind of amber in color, slightly cloudy, still a little bit fruity, and still even a little bit cloudy when it was served, usually just sealing up the cast, not adding any conditioning sugars, and sending them out of the way. So the you'd have an amber 
lagerish beer that was so low cloudy and was relatively low carbonation, kind of like an English, uh, you know, cast beer, even possibly lower than that. Mm -hmm. But as we often talk about with these styles, they kind of change over time. And so that is kind of referred to if you were like entering a BJCP category as the amber color beer. Then there's also something that they call a pale color beer, which can also be called a Zweigel beer. Um, and this is kind of more, I think, what most home brewers are kind of getting at when they say, oh, I have this Pilsner. I meant to lager it. I didn't. Here it is early. So what they do is you, you make a kind of light beer style. Um, in the German tradition, you can use a lager yeast now, I guess, if you want to, um, but you serve it rather young and fresh. And this is partially where the Zweigel beer gets its name from. The Zweigel valve, if you've ever been into a home brewery, is a fun thing to talk about. It's that little pin valve on the massive fermentation tank. So when you walk into a brewery and you see a you know, 40, 60 barrel fermenter, and then you see this very little dainty stainless steel pin valve, usually made by Perlick, sitting on the side of the tank just to take a little bit of a sample. So that's the Zweigel valve. And hmm. so if a brewer invited you back to try some Zweigel beer, or the fresh beer, that's where you'd be getting it from. And so the kind of more of the pale style, the kind of more modern style, it's a little bit lighter in color, so lower in alcohol, a little bit lighter on some of the hopping and stuff like that, but it's traditionally not aged. So yes, it's very similar to a Pilsner or a Kolsch or an Alpier that is kind of served without any kind of cold conditioning time, or at least not much. This gives it you know fruitier flavor um, and a little bit more richer mouth feel and a little bit more yeast flavor as well. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're trying to make one, and, and this is where it goes back to, we're talking about like the, when I come up with the show, it's usually what people are bugging me about at the store. And we go back to Aaron is the one who says, I have a stainless steel conical. I want to be able to make something that I can brew rapidly because he doesn't want that thing occupied for weeks on end. He was thinking about doing uh, a Munich Dunkel, and then when he realized he might have to keep it in there for four to six weeks, he decided that he didn't want to lose a fermenter for that long. And so he was looking for something he could ferment cold, um, keep it in the fermenter uh, just for a primary, and then bottle, be drinking it now, but also be drinking it during the summer. So I said the Keller beer here is a nice cheap. And I would make the kind of Pilsner-style beer, but I might change up the yeast to something that doesn't need that long conditioning time. So here's the advantage. You brew your Pilsner, right? You put it into the fermentation. You put it into bottles, conditioning, and you just start pulling. As you start pulling out of your supply, as they're still cloudy, a little bit fruity, you give it to guests and you call it the Keller beer. As they slowly start conditioning and clarifying in your basement and you get into the summer months, you can now call it a pilsner and give the same beer to your friends. So if you're trying to bottle something on the lighter side, something you can move through quick and that you can age, I think Aaron Keller beer is your best option. Um, I know I have served many a fresh Pilsner and called it a Keller beer. Um, and I think that's a tradition that I think us home brewers should keep. Um, but at the same time, it's not exactly the original hmm. Keller beer. And it'll be interesting to see what Adam's responses was this yeah. originally designed to be a keller beer or did he rush brew a pilsner and decide to enter it really um will be interesting to see are the bjcp guidelines on keller beers super strict or is it more of a um i would say none of the guidelines are super strict i mean there's when you look at the guidelines they're, they're going to be a lot of different you know say flavors for a beer that it's supposed to have and as a judge you kind of check mark 
You know what I mean? So, um, you know, IPA should have, you know, a little bit of uh, hop aroma. Our strong hop aroma should have a little bit of malt flavor and stuff like that. And I'm going to start checking these things off. And then if I find another flavor in there, as long as it's not not supposed to be there, in my opinion, it flies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if I'm tasting a West Coast IPA and it has hints of citrus and then all of a sudden I start to get like intense like stone fruits – it doesn't say the West Coast can't have stone fruits. Yeah, that's more of an East Coast style or, mm-hmm. or something like that or New England style. But as long as it has those check marks, to me, those little extra things can be pluses. Okay. They don't They don't have to be negatives. They're identifying characteristics, You got it. You right. got it. I mean, you, you read Pilsner and it will say no citrusy hop flavors or should have noble hop characteristics only. In that case, yeah, it's going to ding you. But in uh, something like a Kellervere where the style guidelines are kind of obscure, you know what I mean? Um, it is a little bit open category, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. And, and quite often, winning or getting good scores on these kind of more obscure categories can actually be harder than something like pale ale. Because I think kind of like I just explained as a judge, um, I because there's so many pale ales, because there's so much of it, what I think the common, like drinking the same thing with IPA is – you know, popular sellers, popular table beers for people now, it almost opens it up. Um, because uh, often when I drink a pale ale, I'm not looking for familiar. I'm looking for something new, especially when I buy one. Um, so, yeah, it's often having that little extra flavor in some of these categories will kind of maybe help you a little bit. Mm-hmm. It will help push you kind of above those other beers to give you those couple extra points that put you into a winner circle. Um yeah, so don't be afraid to put a little bit more and put in a little bit that something is quite a bit obscure. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. So that's you got to take a little risk, right? You right. got you can't just you can't just if you're making you know a pale ale clone you can't just clone Sierra Nevada and enter it. it, it you, you won't do as well as you think. Uh, it'll be too familiar. You'll get lost in the middle of the flight. You'll get yeah. You'll get thirty points if you do everything right, but you're probably not going to get forty. You got to set yourself aside a little bit from the rest of the beers in there. Yeah. All right, so that's Keller beer laid out. Have yeah. you brewed a Keller beer before? How often? I've never purposely, to, to admit, I've never purposely brewed a Keller beer. You've accidentally found your way there? Yeah, plenty of times. When I, I brew a Pilsner, thinking, oh, I got plenty of beer on tap. Let me brew a Pilsner. I'll let it sit in the back of the kegerator for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, you go down one night and you just start zeroing out taps. And you're like, well, I got to put something on. Yeah. So the idea is then I put the Pilsner on and I slowly start drawing off it and just like, telling Aaron to with the bottles the first ones are Keller beers and then by the end of the keg I'm calling it a Pilsner again Um, might be the same exact beer but it's night and day from you know what I mean two weeks in the fermenter to three months in the fermenter will be night and day with the same beer Hmm. all those extra proteins will drop out all the yeast will drop out on its way it's going to eat up any extra acetaldehyde as well as get rid of some other you know kind of fruity esters on its way down Um, and the hops will mellow out alpha acids into beta acids Uh, and so just about every flavor of the compound of the beer including the malt will change over time um and give you a completely different feel to the beer you mentioned one other beer that the bjcp added american wild ales we haven't spent too much time talking about those no no and and um one, this is what Aaron was, I think, thinking of brewing. Just <laughs> nothing that I would put in a fancy conical ever. This would be old bucket. You know what I mean? And American Wild Ale is kind of a take on the uh, Belgian Wild Ale. So the Belgian 
uh, you know, lambics and uh, gozas and all these different like kind of soured beers are pretty, we'll say, straightforward. But I guess if you had to put in a definition on male wild, wild ale, because it's another one of those categories that's hard to define, um, because it's usually American brewing doing some take on a Belgian brew. So you have like Stone did a oak-aged IPA cherry lambic. You know what I mean? That fits into the wild ale. Um, basically, American wild ales, any, we'll say, American style or Belgian-esque style that you can add American ingredients, but then still add um, some type of other micro besides yeast. So you can add Britannomyces, you can add Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, Acetobacter, um, any of these kind of fermentations. Now, tr- a lot of breweries and, and some of, uh, you know, like I think Rogue, um, as well as uh, I think it's New Belgium, as also do open fermentations for some of these beers. So they're pulling in truly wild microbes. Most American brewers, um, unlike their Belgian counterparts, which have had hundreds of years to kind of perfect the, you know, uh, the ambience inside their fermentation chambers to make sure they have the exactly the right kind of bundle of microbes so that the, the wood around the tanks will infect the beer with the, the right microbes. American brewers are usually doing this in stainless steel and pitching their own microbes in there. But the American wild ale is another one of these uh, style categories that I would say a lot of home brewers find themselves in by mistake or by chance. Um, often what happens is you make an American style. Maybe you use a fermenter that you also used to make a Belgian Lambic a couple of weeks ago. What happens is that Lactobacillus and Britannomyces transfers over to your American style. So what was at three weeks, a very nice crisp pale ale, slowly begins to turn into its own kind of twangy, cheesy beer. Um, and slowly works its way into the American wild ale category. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that this is how every beer ends up here. Um, and I'm not going to say that a, probably a winner of this category was made like this. Um, but it is usually an American stylish beer. Um, can be kind of have very Belgian roots to it. Can have fruit in it. Can be, you know, aggressively dry hopped. But then it also has a wild pitch of either bacteria or yeast to kind of make it a little bit funky. So there's another kind of category explanation of an obscure category. I think we should probably do one every couple of weeks here, or at least one a week up until the, yeah. the competition of the more maybe Kentucky Common next week. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. We're back next week. And uh, if you ever miss an episode, find them on demand at WGR's website or ESPN 1520 as well. For Bert Dicer, I'm Jeremy White. Happy brewing. Beer, 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 beer. listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.